Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. I'm Pat Nevin. Hi, this is Ruben Loftus-Cheek. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London is Blue podcast, your home for all things Chelsea FC. Dan, Mike, Nick, and myself cover all the match reviews from the latest Chelsea matches. We cover the team news and even throw you some exclusive interviews. Thank you already for being an awesome listener. And you know what? Let's jump right in. That's right. We're back, Chelsea fans, with the final match review of the preseason First one under Super Frankie Lampard, and boy, do we still have a lot to go. Joining me, per usual, the huge Nick and Dan, but, you know, Nick, you're you're off traveling the world and still showing up. That's right. Uh, it's called Commitment. Ever heard of it? Um, it's, it's called it's called being in New York and, and hanging out. Uh, my sister lives here, and I'm doing a little bit of work this week, but... Um, but brought the old trusty road mic, and uh, that's how it gets done, Dan. Yeah, I, I think if people really cared about that, they could just follow your Instagram and see the delicious brunch delicacies that you've right. been enjoying. That is correct. I, I have indulged a little bit this weekend, and and that is okay. Well, that I mean, what else do you do when you travel? Uh, but if we jump right into this podcast, here's what we're going to be doing today. We're going to be talking about the defensive dilemma throughout preseason and what a potential cure or cures might be. We're going to talk about who we think our preseason MVP is, and then we'll wrap on preseason, discuss our confidence or maybe lack thereof heading into this season. Uh, so real quick, Dan, we do have a massive influx of five-star iTunes reviews. They all deserve a little love. 
Yeah, we might need to start clipping a separate podcast because we're getting just so darn many. Uh, Rosie Toes 1, J-Dub uh, 0208, uh, Old DD, or Oli DD, Pete Rock 984. We had Born to Quack, who did uh, talk about the fact that they've enjoyed my vocabulary and cringy jokes, as well as Nick's rumbly voice. And then we also cool. saw Jacob uh, <laughs> Foglerin, who all gave some five-star love on iTunes this week. So just remember, you leave a five-star review on iTunes. We will thank you at the beginning of the podcast. And please keep them coming. We, we would love to have more to read next episode. Yeah, cool burn to quack. There's uh, actually three of us on here. But anyways, <laughs> uh, moving on to Patreon, a massive shout-out to Ram Bam and Dustin uh, we will see you on Discord. We will see you in Patreon. Uh, and a quick little bonus stand for our Patreon members is that we are doing a... We're doing private uh, fantasy, fantasy Premier League. So we have a classic and head-to-head set up. We're putting together surprises for the eventual winners in 38-plus weeks. But, yeah, it's going to be really cool. There's definitely a lot of interest. I think there's about 20 to 30 people signed up already. So, yeah, if you fancy yourself a FPL wizard and you are also someone who is thinking about supporting the podcast so that we can continue to do cool stuff through Patreon, head over there, join up, and we'll uh, get you on Discord, and we'll get you a code to uh, do the FPL with us, too. I'm actually planning to participate this season. I don't know if I'll make it to week 10, though. We'll, we'll yeah. see. It's a big commitment. <laughs> I, I think I think there needs to be a special bonus points for you if you go past week 10. Honestly, um, we should we should look into that. It's like a par mm-hmm. for him. Yeah. Nick, uh, some cool stuff, uh, bonuses for our listeners that doesn't cost anything. That is right. Uh, we are here to provide value for, for you, the listener. Uh, we're doing that with two of our partners right now. Uh, as you know, worldsoccershop.com. Code London Pod for ten percent off your order, and boy, oh boy, do we have shirt numbers finally released! Praise the Lord Let's that we it. now we now can order a Pulisic twenty two, a Mount nineteen, a whatever else that you want. It doesn't matter. A Busby thirty seven. Uh, um, you can do that all at WorldSoccerShop.com. Uh, we'll even help pay for some of your customization or shipping with the old ten percent off there. Uh, and then our second one, as you guys know, uh, Brandon and I are wearing our talisman caps. Uh, if you're if you're watching the video here, uh, the code is London Blue Ten. I screwed that up a couple of weeks ago, so I apologize to our listeners. Uh, London Blue Ten, ten percent off, thirty five dollars or more. Look at how sexy this is. I mean, Dan, again, I, Dan, again, I, you Dan, say look at hat? something, but Dan. there are many people who just listen. They're so they just can imagining. go to Talisman's website to see it, or they can. You know, head over to Instagram too. That that is a that's a salty dormer if I've ever heard one. Um, Talisman caps, London blue ten for ten percent off, thirty five dollars or more. So value to you, the people. Absolutely, so excited to be able to offer that stuff to you, and it's all because of you listening to us. But again, we are here to do a match review, and you are here to listen to a match review. So let us jump into it. It was the Andreas Christensen friendly playing Borussia Mönchengladbach. <laughs> At Borussia Park, uh, final score two two, and that is probably a good score line. Uh, <laughs> if uh, you watched the first half and just wondered what in the world was that goalkeeper doing, uh, Dan, run us through the lineups uh, for one, you know Frank's last preseason match. Yeah, last preseason match we saw Aretha Balaga between the sticks, Azpilicueta, Emerson on the left and right. We saw Zuma and Christensen in the Andreas Christensen friendly partnered up in the center to start. We saw Pedro Pulisic and uh, sorry, we saw Kovacic and Jorginho as that two. Then we saw Pedro Pulisic 
and Mount as the front three, all behind Tammy Abraham, the number nine up top. We did see substitutions, though, a couple of them. We saw Alonzo at the 66th minute. We saw Barkley at the 66th minute. Daru uh, at the 67th minute. And, of course, Kennedy at 67. That was it. That was the last one of them all important. Oh, wait, wait, no. Conte. Conte, 72nd minute. Back Bam. and healthy. Uh, Super exciting. To think that kind of suspense building gets a shout-out in a five-star review kills me. Kills me inside. <laughs> Uh, top line stats, Chelsea with 62% possession, 22 shots, 12 of them on target. Gave up 11 shots, 4 on target to Mönchengladbach. Um, and as it stands, 4 yellow cards for Chelsea, 2 for Borussia Mönchengladbach. So getting right into it, uh, as we discussed in the intro, the preamble, if you may, the defensive dilemma. So we went and pulled uh, a lot of stuff from our man, our friend, Newman, at N-O-M-I, footy on Twitter. Uh, definitely go check him out uh, because he is so good that influencers, quote unquote, are cropping his stuff and posting it as their own. That's when you know, Nick, you've made it is when you get ripped off. Yeah. And, and just a little PSA. Okay. The internet is a wonderful place. It generally is is filled with wonder and people do incredible work like Newman here and, and creating content for people to enjoy. All you have to do as a person that likes that content is credit the fucking source of the content. It's not that hard. If you're a person who steals other people's content, you're a fucking moron. And that's it. I'm done. I'm done with this. So it was also a moron. Uh, it was our back line for uh, not joining the defensive press. <laughs> what, just bringing it all segue. back together. What a well, segue. ultimately, you know, what he kind of highlighted was that, you know, the front and midfield lines are all doing a really good job of moving up and pressing forward. But the defensive line is basically MIA when any of the presses have been occurring. So there's been a lack of synergy between the two, Nick. And I think that's where... There is a solve. There is a path forward for what we're seeing. But ultimately, there there is no – we saw last season, you know, the 15, you know, meters between every line, right? Sorry, wanted 15 between the front line, 15 between the middle, 15 between the back line. That was the maximum amount of space he wanted. And we're seeing a little bit more of an open canvas between the defensive – you know, the midfield and then the actual defenders. Yeah, it, it, to me, screams of – I think caught between two thoughts. So the first thought being that I, I believe that towards the end of last season, you saw Jorginho much tighter um, to the back line. I think gave himself a lot less to do defensively because I think there was a better cohesive moment there at the end. Um, And, and unfortunately for him, it it lost, you know, I think he lost a little bit of his ability to press up and complete some key passes in the final third, but it did, I think, make sure that our back line was a little bit protected. You're starting to see a back line who got a little bit too comfortable, Brandon, in preseason, uh, playing a little bit further back, not not pressing up as high. And, and that's creating now the gap because I think he, you know, Frank wants the pivot to, you know, be playmakers, have the ability to both be playmakers, and it's just not happening. Yeah, so if we go through uh, Newman's tweets, he was saying that this this issue of the back line not supporting the midfield and the forward line's press is something that goes back to Darby last season. Again, I didn't watch Darby. I'm relying on other people who did their homework. But it's a good talking point. And so I it, it's, I don't know, to me it's kind of a weird thing. Like the defenders should know, they, they should recognize when the rest of the team is pressing 
it has to be a lack of confidence in their ability to not hold the offside line, maybe to you know not get in a foot race. There's something going on here um, that is a concern. Nick, you talk about Jorginho sitting farther back. Conte did too. We saw him. You know, Maurizio. You know, kind of blasted him in, in post-match press conferences that he needs to be tighter to Jorginho and some things like that. So, you know. There's been a lot of positives about the Jorginho Kovacic pivot right now, or not even a pivot. Shit. They're they're a holding two. All right, so rewind that one. But this image that we see in our script from Newman, there's genuinely 35 yards between midfielders, those holding two, and our back line, and everyone is running back. This guy is at midfield. No one within 40 yards, okay, I'm sorry, 20 yards, I'd say, 15, 20 yards, and and he's running at our back line. Worst case scenario is a defender, because once once the press is broken, you then just have to delay. And watching Jorginho Kovacic run backwards to try to catch him, um, you know, at some point you have to stop and defend your line, Nick. Well, uh, that's valid. I think you're also looking at the photo, and... Because Dan Emerson was playing so far up the field, he's in the bottom left corner of the photo, while everybody in the back line is on is on the on the right side of the photo. Like that's where we get into trouble, right? Not everybody can can play up field all at once, and then the back line has to like, oh god, are we gonna play the offside trap or not? Like, if you only have three guys back there, um, you you definitely need protection from your midfielders, and there was none to be offered. Yeah, and again, the best thing to do is to just maintain re- you know retention of the ball, have your defenders push up, and create a sustained, continued press against the opposition, so you don't put yourself in this position to have to worry about what your offside trap situation is going to be. I think Newman made a really good point just about the the once the pressing is broken that the defense has pretty much no protection from anyone in the midfield because really everyone's a little bit too far spread out. They're really trying to use a lot of the pitch to move the ball around, to change side to side, and you know occasionally go direct up and, and drive down with pace. But it, it is something that I think will improve the couple of things, uh, Brandon. One, N'Golo Conte coming back is, is a huge boost. I think that is something we're all looking forward to seeing more of whether he makes the United game is still a question. And then the other thing is a, a cent- a set defensive line. So whomever these four individuals are going to be in the back line, getting to play consistent minutes, 90 minutes together on a regular basis so that they feel very comfortable about what's going to happen, who's going to do what, where they need to cover, how they press as a group. We've seen a lot of rotation this preseason. I think while I am concerned, I am not, over blowing it because ultimately he's you know this is all about time right time to get this right yeah i mean I, look a lot of, i mean subsea has been a huge advocate uh in with tweets about this conte being the kind of the magic bullet nick obviously we know how wonderful his smile is and he's even better <laughs> at football which is kind of confusing to me i don't know how he does it i love that order by the way i love the order <laughs> smiling in <laughs> football We'll have to see. I mean, look, Ingo Conte, his ability to run someone down is fantastic. And I think his ability to read what's coming at him is even better. But if the team's not compact and it, and it doesn't break down, I'm not, I guess, 100% sure Ingo Conte will fix everything. I think he'll fix a lot because of just how dynamic and great he is. Um, but that kind of goes into 
well, A, you decide about N'Golo Kante, and then B, we have to transition into free kicks again as well because um, that is another huge part of the defensive frailties. N'Golo Kante doesn't foul, right, outside the box, so that also helps solve the two problems. So I guess that's why I'm bringing both up at this point. I, I think it's a bad idea to rely on N'Golo Kante to solve the defensive shape and position and depth issue um our our back line needs to be more compact you know if we're going to play a high line we got to play a high line if we're not going to play a high line then we gotta you know i think the pace has to be a little bit more methodical coming out of the back so that everyone can move up slower together that they're to me if you're relying on one guy to basically make that transition that 20 30 yard transition win the ball back, protect the back line, push it forward, get it up to the pivot. It just, it screams Dan of like, if he gets injured again, we're screwed. Yeah. I I think that again, we've talked about this last episode, but we talked about the fact that really N'Golo Conte is the one true world-class player on this team. And every time he has not played with Chelsea in the last couple of years that he has played for us, which is a very, very few games have not featured N'Golo Conte we definitely look like a different side. The same way that when Eden Hazard was on fire and you pulled him out of the lineup, how different Chelsea looked. And so I agree to the point where you're talking about that we can't be overly reliant on N'Golo Conte to fix all of our problems. But I, I do think, you know, just when you have a person beside you, like when you're doing a group project in school, like if you know you got partnered up with someone who is super gifted, like you you're still going to do your work. You you <laughs> oh. rely on them to carry you, correct? <laughs> well, I, I hope that's not what you did, uh, but it sounds like that was probably the case. But potentially, they helped elevate the quality of the overall project. And I think that's what N'Golo Conte coming back on the pitch will do for the defense. I do agree, though, to your point that he is not the panacea. He does not cure all for this defensive line. Like the, And the point Brandon made about set pieces is another massive massive issue that needs additional coaching and repetition because we are just not we're not committed to staying on our man when you talk about a high line i immediately thought of david louise and then it harkened back to jt under andre vishbosh and it didn't work with him and obviously there's all that off the field stuff right of like avb trying to push out frank lampard and drogba and jt the hell knows why i don't know um, but is really, the same issue. It, it really worked out for him, by the way. I'll Nailed it. That. Yeah, he Nailed really killed it there. It. <laughs> but but think about it, right? Like, you, I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out kind of, you know, is that going to be something that could potentially, um, you know, I guess like hurt him? I mean, we're talking about David Luiz's status uh, as a leader and as, you know, a potential captain, you know, or co-captain, second in line. Um, I don't know it's just something to keep a track of. But if we're gonna go like a really high line, that is something that hurts uh, David Luiz. It hurts Dave the most. I mean, but you that, can give that, it up out wide. It's a lot less dangerous than down the middle. I guess. I mean, I, I I don't see a scenario that this group of players is adequately going to play a high line and and get away with it. I don't think there is the coordination because they they haven't been relying on that tactic for a long time and my fear is and i think when you watch other teams play highline dan they have speed to catch up should they get burned the, on the rare occasion 
that this team does not have that speed. And I know Zuma's quick. I know David Luiz is is waning. I know Aspie's waning. I know Rudiger's quick whenever he gets back. It just doesn't it doesn't seem like that is the way forward defensively, even though I know Newman's like tactical analysis is like, yeah, if they're going to do it, they have to do it this way. And it has to be awesome all the time. I think it makes me excited for when someone like Reese James is healthy. And then you can kind of look at some of what the rotational options are within this defensive line to put a li- someone with a little bit more pace in the lineup, someone who you know also is going to be very good at picking out a cross and putting people into positions and, and really allow this team to kind of play that 4-2-3-1 effectively, which is going to let them push the ball forward up the wings and then cut it back in with the kind of direct you know cross or pass. Yeah, I'm just thinking, you know, ahead to United opening match season, you know, depending on who's in their midfield, Pogba's there, he has the quality to, you know, find a Martial or Rashford or whoever, you know, in behind up top. Yeah, I The first name that came to my mind was Jamie Vardy. I'm like, oh, shit, we got to deal with Vardy on the counterattack again. Now you see Moise Ken going to Everton and, you know, obviously Zaha at Palace. You know, there's all these scrappy teams that are going to look to just break Chelsea with one ball over the top, and uh, it could potentially be another issue. Now, thank God we have Keppa, right? Keppa can use his feet. Courtois, on the other hand, was a calamity coming out to collect the ball <laughs> uh, and had far more red cards than any goalkeeper of his stature should have had. But that's another story for another day. So, um, again, just a lot of stuff to kind of take into account. Uh, I am a little concerned to hear that this is a, a recurring problem potentially for Frank from Derby to Chelsea. But at the same time, if you know it, right, you can work around it and try to improve it. So I have no doubts that Frank, Jody, um, you know, and the rest of the team, Joe and and, and Eddie, are, are working on this very specifically because, uh, you, you know, Chelsea has to be sound defensively to unlock ourselves to go forward. So I mean, yeah, and, and I think, Dan, you know, a guy that everyone's been really excited for is Kurt Zuma coming back into this team. Hmm. He did not play well in this match. Like I, I really when I look when I look at him, I I'm not seeing a guy who is showing the same level of confidence or ability on the ball that he showed at Everton last year. And then you know, for you know, I I look at him as a guy who should be dominant on set piece defense, uh, who should be in there just every time it's impossible to get the ball behind, uh, beyond him and Tammy and, you know, David or Christensen. Like we have a few tall guys in there. I haven't seen it. And I, I, I love him. I think he's a great team guy. I just don't, I don't see it right now. Well, I, I still think he ends up being your starting pairing with David Luiz for United. I think that we've talked about that for the past couple episodes. I think if he cannot interchange well and fit into Frank's plans. I think that Rudiger potentially is going to come back and, you know, take that spot back over. I actually think the one that I was probably most disappointed with was Christensen, who had a little bit of a rough game, particularly in the first half. You know, ultimately he was the one who played one of the Mönchengladbach players on side so that they could take one of the goals. And it, it just, some of the positional awareness wasn't there. Second half, both Zuma and uh, Christensen looked a lot better in terms of their performance. They settled down. They got into a little bit of a rhythm. But ultimately, it's 
it is concerning. And I think we feel excited by the midfield and all the players there who are doing really, really well. I don't know if we feel as excited about striker and defense still. I think those are still the areas that we kind of feel uncomfortable about heading into this season. All right. Well, let's go ahead and take this opportunity for a quick ad break. Uh, And then we get back, like I said, we're going to be talking right away about the MVP of preseason and then what we expect is going to happen this upcoming season. I mean, it is is less than a week away at this point. So uh, it's time we go on record and put out some some ideas and some thoughts. So again, we'll be right back. All right, preseason MVP time. Uh, This award literally means nothing. So it's like the Community Shield? Hopefully... (laughs) Unless you win it, right? Then it goes on your mantle in the office. You show it off. You, you put it on your LinkedIn. I mean, that's what I'd do if I won the Community Shield. Or Update your awards MVP. on LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, career highlights. Uh, London's Blue Podcast preseason MVP. And we've narrowed it down, apparently. Uh, so at Nisar Kinsella saying, Chelsea preseason minutes. Aspie 421. Jorginho 381. Kovacic 365. And then it goes into Mount, Pedro, Emerson, Zuma, Tammy. So this a core group that either A, Frank wanted to look at, or B, trusted and wanted them to settle in. Uh, then you go, he uh, continues to tweet about goals. Barkley on top with four, Mount in third, or no, Mount with three. <laughs> Abraham, Giroud, Pulisic, Batshuayi uh, with two, Pedro Kennedy with one, and then the assists, Barkley three, Alonso two, Jorginho Kennedy, Kovacic, Pedro, Batshuayi <laughs> one. Um, so gentlemen, if you want, we can go ahead and kind of talk about who you think your preseason MVP was, Dan, uh, I'm a little bit interested to hear which way you go, but I feel like it's going to be a pretty narrow field for all of us regardless. Yeah, I think it's, you know, there's, there's not many at the top right now that you're picking from, um, Angolo Conte, clearly the winner, looked the best out of his many so minutes, <laughs> his 18 minutes. <laughs> yeah, no. So I, I think if I'm looking at it, Nick, it comes down to Mount and Barkley being the individuals that should get the recognition. Pulisic is probably a bronze medalist if we're going one, two, three. I would imagine that Barkley in less minutes than Mount and ends up with four goals, uh, one which was a penalty, gets three assists. I, I think it has to go to him. I think Mount is a very, very close second place, obviously shown a lot to people who are concerned about what he might bring to the team this season, why maybe he's not going out on loan. He clearly looks very firmly set in Frank's plans for the upcoming season, but I don't know how you can give it to someone other than Ross the Boss Barkley. Yeah, it's it's not always about the amount of minutes you get. It's about what you do with those minutes, right? Um, I, I think, you know, as an MVP I would I would almost like phrase these two things differently, and this is not a cop out. I'm going to award an MVP. I think Ross is the biggest mover. I to I think he he is coming from a not even a consideration. All all three of us thought we needed to loan or sell him to get minutes this year, all the way up to almost locked in number ten starter for Manchester United on Sunday. That is wild to me. Like that's pretty crazy, and I think. He did himself a hell of a lot of good. Mason Mount did himself a hell of a lot of good. Um, Jorginho did himself a hell of a lot of good in this preseason. Um, Mateo Kovacic, a guy who we absolutely said do not buy for the amount of money that we ended up paying for him, uh, looked really good. Again, these are all midfielders, right? And to Dan's previous point, 
there's not a whole lot else that we're like super thrilled about. So, um, so these are all considerations. I think my preseason MVP uh, is Mount, and not because I th- I think he's going to start on day one, but I think he in, in an MVP scenario, my criteria is not only his performances but also the level of excitement that I think Chelsea fans had for the preseason kind of hedged around him, um, considering Pulisic didn't join till like midway through. So I th- I think I'm gonna throw Mount in there, even though. You know, the boss uh, had a, a statistically better um, go of it, Brandon. You know, I think I, not to not to fanboy, but I was watching George Benson's uh, recap of Red Bull uh, Salzburg. And the thing he pointed out about Ross that, I don't know, maybe I just didn't pay close attention to, it looks like Lampard's given him free kick duty and penalty duty. I think, like, that shows a ton of trust. If you're going to give a player the ability to hit bomb-ass free kicks in the top corner in preseason, and he's hit, what, two penalties so far? I mean, uh, yes, at least yeah, two, right? Two. At least. Um, it just shows a lot of confidence in a player, and I'm not going to say it's the same as Maritza Sarri and Jorginho, but my point is um, Ross seems to kind of have his – have his backing and have the freedom to do uh, what he thinks is best in those situations. And from everything we've read and, and kind of talked and, you know, read about Ross and the way he acts, he's an instinct player that just plays right into his hand. And all of a sudden Lampard can, can, you know, essentially release this player, maybe have a little bit more structure. It's the same thing. We'd always let Ed Nazar do whatever he wants and we build the team defensively and structurally around him. Again, Ross, Pulisic, Pedro, no one is claiming to be Ed Nazard, but you always want to have a dynamic player who has the freedom to get in between the lines, to, to you know, I guess, run at the back line and things like that. And it really looks like Lampard's given Barkley that nod. So because of all of that, I would say that, you know, he's been the preseason MVP also because he's just produced. He's produced assists. He's produced goals. Um, and he's done it in a variety of ways. And so... But now we just have to hope that he can continue this into the season because, um, you know, who else? What did he get? Number 24? Did he take Cahill's number? No, he's rocking the eight. Oh. Well, who did? Ocho. Oh, I don't know. Whoever whoever took over uh, Cahill's number, someone had a funny tweet saying that they've got big arms to fill in that kit. <laughs> uh, I will also say, uh, to your point about free, or free kicks and penalties, Mount was given corner duties. Yep. Um, and, and I don't, I don't think it's that's important. insignificant. And I think his delivery from corners has been the best since Fabregas left. I mean, certainly beats out William Hazard, you know, whoever else we had take him last year. So, and we've only seen one short attempt so far in preseason where we played it out and then tried to kick it in. I'm very happy to see that we're not attempting a ton of those. So I'm much happier with us actually trying to kick it directly in the box and let some of the tall men get up there and just try to knock it in. You know what? Lampard probably doesn't even have that many free kick plays drawn up. I mean, what the hell? Amateur hour. If it's not 300, then what are you even doing? I don't know, man. (laughs) Just sitting on a beach enjoying his preseason, obviously. Um, Yeah, we'll have to... I mean, we always knew he was going to be down to those two players, right? You have special shouts for like a... A Pedro's obviously had a, a very positive preseason. 
you know, even we've seen a new role for Jorginho. Uh, Kovacic could be considered almost the most improved player, I think, in preseason. Someone who nobody wanted the club to buy for $40 million. Now we're like, ha, done. That was a no-brainer. Obviously, it's preseason. We have a 38-match season coming up, plus cup tournaments along the way. So there's a, a lot of minutes to be had. But um, overall, you know, outside of the defense, right, it's, it's pretty positive. Even Kepa didn't have a great day. And he was supposed to be one that we said is world-class potential and all these things. Had a bad day at the office. So it's a, it's a lot about the uh, the back four right now and the goalkeeper and seeing how that, that you know, kind of coincides. But other than that, as going forward, there's a lot of optimism, which I think is is exciting. Um, I mean, we want to see goals. The season ticket holders want to see goals too, and um, we'll just have to see kind of how it goes. But I don't know. What do you guys think? Who is your preseason? Let us know. Social media, email, all the normal ways you can. You can even leave us a voice message in the Anchor app if you want to want to maybe yell at us and let us know why you think we were wrong. Please. Please don't yell at us. Uh, that's, that's, that's not required. Do it. Do it. See if I care. Go All right. Hey, how about the third talking point where we have, um, how confident are we heading into the season? Right? So uh, the Chelsea 2019-2020 preseason, played seven, won four, drew two, lost one. Goals for 18, but goals against 11 for a difference of plus seven. So the question we posed on Twitter to everybody was, how confident do you feel heading into the start of the season? More or less than preseason kicked off? Uh, Dan, since you posed this question, uh, run us through some of the responses we got, and then you can lead us into your own personal opinion. Yeah, sure. There were some who were very, talking about how our defense needs more work. Uh, at uh, SEK Botang, we saw Brogy 62 more or less, more about the offense, less about the defense. There was Ashley Bryan, who was talking about how she's more confident after the start of the um, after the season. Uh, preseason got underway. Um, Suleiman Nashud, uh, Nashudad was talking about how they were confident. Frank's given us a reason to be needs work, but not enough reason to sulk in it, which I thought was nice. Uh, DJ James highlighting that given that four starters and a key sub, Conte, William, Calum Hudson-Doy, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, and Rudiger have not played. Chelsea's in fine shape. Imagine having a full-strength team this preseason. Uh, there were a few others who were thinking now that we'll finish in 7th, 8th, maybe even 10th after what they saw in preseason. I don't know if I feel the exact same way. I think I understand, and I think the challenge is, are we... Do we have the right expectations for what the start of the season is going to look like, which is going to be a little disjointed, still some level of experimentation to try to figure out best players, players like Rudiger getting back into fitness, William finally arriving back at Cobham. There, there's plenty that's going to have to go on still, and why I'm still confident around a top four finish, personally. I know, Nick, I, you probably saw something different in preseason and maybe feel a different way. Yeah, I mean, I, I, so the extrapolation of preseason results into what you what a real Premier League test is, you know, it's just not. There's nothing to really do there. I, I think, I think what you try and do in preseason is assess, you know, kind of player fitness and you know positive or negative trend lines that could impact your season plus or minus a place or two, right? Like. I would say on the positive side of this, Mason Mount, Ross Barkley really stepping up. That's really great. And and you love to see people 
given a clean slate, they, they step up and perform, um, you know, on the negative side, I think the tactical, um, elements that Frank is trying to add to this team are not embedded yet. I don't think there's any way they really could be. Um, this team is coming off of being drilled and drilled and drilled and drilled and drilled to do one thing last year. They're, now they're having to do a few different things. Players are, are learning how to arrive late and score goals in the box. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot of a lot of the the work that will be done in September, October, November will set the stage for whatever's going to happen in February and March. And and we all know that's when the Premier League kind of moves. So I I am I'm still pretty confident that we're going to finish outside of the top four. I don't think we necessarily have the horses, um, especially up front, uh, to score a bunch of goals. But uh, I've been very excited to, you know, in the last few matches to see Pulisic interchanging better with, with his teammates and, and learning their traits and skill sets. And, you know, it's, it's really just finding someone up top and it's finding a defense that doesn't have mental lapses. And, and maybe I could be talked into something else, Brandon. Well, I mean, from a confidence standpoint, I, I mean, I've been on record. I'm so impressed with how the team is reacting to realistically a summer of mass change and uh, new directions, um, not really any new players, you know. And so overall with this preseason, like, I'm happy. I, you know, I didn't really think about it at Tall Chief 42s tweet above the fact that we really didn't have Conte. Willian, who we know he has two sides, right? It just depends on how consistent he'll be. Um, then you look at the fact that Callum Hudson Odoi, it's the it's the classic, it'll be like a new signing when he comes back from injury. Ruben, you know, around mid year will be a boost no matter what. And then bringing Rudiger back, just having him back will, if nothing else, hopefully make things more competitive for that back line, which is important. And so I think that the fact that you have five players at that level coming back into the team um, actually makes me feel good. You know, I was kind of thinking about. I was listening to like the Sky Sports Transfer Talk podcast nonsense. I don't know why I do to myself. And they're just talking about how Everton with Moise Ken is like a, a really good team. And I'm like, but are they? Because like I compared to Chelsea, and I was like, they really don't have defenders like Aspie and David Luiz and even their midfielders, right? They're just workhorses that, you know, they have Sigurdsson, but like it's not like they have even a Kovacic and a Jorginho and a Conte and all these things. I, I still felt like, you know, we're, we're definitely a competitive team, way more competitive than I gave us credit for in the Premier League. Again, where I have concerns is going to be our depth, right? And the cup competitions and, and balancing Champions League with the league. And I think that's where my concerns creep in a little bit. But, um, you know, I, I'm still hopeful that we can be competing for top four this season. So um, that's I'm optimistic about it. I don't think it's necessarily given, not that it ever is, right? But I feel like making top four would be a success this season, and then hopefully Lampard can build off it going into next season. Yeah, I think you're you're right on those points in just making sure that we have a, a thoughtful plan around what we're going to go out and try to accomplish this season. I think, again, realism in the circumstances that we didn't sign anybody, realism in the fact that 
a ton of players are still injured, which sometimes can be really great. I mean, you look at, uh, you know, the one time Tom Brady was suspended for four games at the start of the season, comes out, looks super fresh heading into the tail end of the season, which I know Nick was really excited about. So now you got some players that are going to come in, you know, month, two, three, four months into the season and be like an injection into the arm of Chelsea and what Frank is capable of doing. So I think that point in terms of just inspiring some confidence, inspiring some hope is where I am most excited. But I think where Nick draws a really good point is that the striker situation is definitely the biggest question mark that holds me back from being like over the moon, like this is going to be the best possible season ever. At least Dybala turned on Man United. If they ship out Lukaku... That helps us. Obviously, Arsenal can't help themselves from signing attacking players. Obviously, with he, you know, publicly known Chelsea fan Nicholas Pepe going there. Um, I mean, look, Batshuayi hasn't really grabbed it. You know, the the position by the horns and ran with it. Nick Giroud always has a, a streakiness to him, and we know that. He's actually more of a setup striker than he is just a pure finisher himself, which is good because it looks like Barkley, Mount, Pedro, and Pulisic are all ready to score some goals. And then Tammy is understandably young. Like, you know, he's still fitting into that stuff as well. So um, the I guess you say the back line and the, the forward spot are probably our biggest areas of concern. I am not worried about Giroud. I think everyone knows that. I I am... Like from a pace of play standpoint, what we're not getting from Tammy is essentially a guy who's who's willing to hold up, who's willing to wait for people to get in, and then for the attack to move forward together. Um, that's where Giroud to me is an invaluable asset, and I think why he'll he'll you know be a, a locked in starter this season. Then you're talking about a backline who who might get Rudiger back sooner rather than later, who might get you know, David Luiz to have an absolute barn burner of a season, I think you're still a little bit at risk back there um, if if they are not connected to the midfield. And that is, you know, it's not, it's not something that I'm, I'm you know, going to over-worry about or, or just put too much stock in right now. But I, I think I'm probably more worried about the back line than I am the strikers in. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think if our concern is that we might score less goals or might struggle to score some goals. One thing that you could do to help offset that just a touch is be a little bit more resolved in defending appropriately and reducing the amount of goals that you concede. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if we have a multitude of games that we, that this season are decided by a single goal where we're finishing one nil victory, nil, nil draw one, nil loss. Like I could see that happening for large patches of the season as we look to figure out like how are we going to produce the maximum number of goals from a couple of players like Pulisic, like Pedro, like Mount, like Barkley, who do want to score. I think that's where my thought process is. If we if we don't know yet where the goals are going to come from, we don't know who that striker is and we have a little bit of a concern there, just be focused on getting really, really good at not giving up stupid chances to minimize minimize the impact, Nick. Yeah, I mean, that's right. Like, look... You either go full Barcelona and just commit to trying to score five goals a game, um, or or you you know I think you're a little bit more cautious maybe, and that's okay. Like 
again, if we come out of this first game with United with a result, I I'm good. Uh, knowing that Leicester at home is not going to be a cakewalk either. Like they're, yeah. they're pretty good. Uh, so again, like if I was, if I was doing this and, and I think everyone's happy that I'm not the manager of Chelsea football club, uh, I, my, my word would be kind of just play within yourselves, uh, play together and, and have a collective team spirit. That's really hard to overcome. Uh, knowing that there's, there is enough talent and goals in this team if all of that works together, Brandon. I mean, the concern, though, is if you change, if you just, like, ball up versus what we've done the preseason, the opposite could happen, that you kind of kill off your attack as well, and then you don't have goals to rely on. So it's obviously finding that balance. And, you know, if we could do it, we would be getting paid millions, you know, to do it. But we're not so... Um, that's where Frank is going to kind of have to balance between and, and see. Um, but it, it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a, I don't know, it's Chelsea. Once the Premier League season starts, it's a different game too, right? The game faces come on. It's not preseason. You're not messing around. You, you know, it's just the mentality is different and things change. In preseason, you still know that you can go try some things that you wouldn't normally try in an actual competitive match. Okay, well, now we're going to get to the competitive match. Less risks, risks are going to be taking. A lot more focus is going to be had, and, and it can all change. So I'm on board with that. Uh, anything else you guys want to touch on in, from this match that maybe we didn't talk about? Uh, no, there, there wasn't a whole lot to t- <laughs> yeah. a whole lot to talk. I mean, this was a, a, a dud uh, for me, Dan. I don't know how you felt about it. Well, I mean, just the video quality. Someone made a comment to us online that it looked like what your legal streams look like if you're you're starting to watch the game in the actual professional ESPN broadcast of it. So it was a a little bit of a visual um, aberration um, or aberration as well as a a bit of just a, a struggle to watch through. But again, we've made it to the end of the preseason, which is an exciting thing because now now the matches actually start to matter, which is important. Welcome All back, right. NBC. Am I right? Let's go. Yes, thank goodness. <laughs> Not buying gold pass. Ah, uh, Dan. Sure you are. Of course you are. Dan. They're, they already have us, your money, dude. <laughs> they've already us. they've already deposited you've already deposited uh, in their account. They've backed up the Brings truck to every Chelsea fan's home, and they're just like, put it in. Come on. I hate them for that. Dan, your man of the match poll, um, while dumb, is accurate. <laughs> well, I, did, I broke with tradition. I had to because there were there was some summer action going on there from Somar, and he played brilliantly to keep out some – Goals that should have gone in on Chelsea's side. Just on another day, he's not blocking a couple of those shots that should have been converted. Mount, as a Chelsea player, was the highest, 31%. Pulisic with 12%. And then other was 1%. Not many people gave a different name, though, because I think we had to tip our hats to the goalkeeper's union to to Summer for his, his brilliant game. It was quite obnoxious. Just the, I mean, while they weren't all great finishes... Um, they were definitely not easy saves, and he just continued to be in the right place, unfortunately. so. But anyways, that's it. I mean, this is the end of preseason, all right? So now we have to transition to full-on Premier League mode. Manchester United kicking off the season, going to be intense. 
Uh, also have the dev development squad in the U23s of starting play. Um, you know, the, the women are counting down to their first match, obviously getting to play at Sanford Bridge at this season as well. It's just, it's here. It's all coming at once. No way to, to just do it other than go all in. So I hope you've all enjoyed your summer. It's time to get back into it. It's going to be fantastic. So that is it for us today. Thank you all so much for listening. You are amazing and fantastic. Tweet at us. Instagram comment, Facebook, text, email, whatever. Discord will talk to you there. But we want to have the discussion going all season. So until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.